Amen. Well, thank you guys for worship. We appreciate you guys. You guys sounded great for a newly deputized choir. You know, can't even say it right. Um, I guess the rest of the day is me just preaching to the choir. Um, Yeah, there it is. There it is. Well, good morning and welcome to church. It is great to see you and to get to dive into God's word together. We are in a series called Verses for Life, and we are kind of looking into some of the greatest verses throughout the scriptures. They are verses that you can really stake your life on. They, they, they mean so much to us, and as you get these in, as you understand these scriptures, we hope that you'll kind of take them deeper and memorize them, meditate on them throughout the week, really just kind of make them a deeper part of your life. And I'm excited this morning to get into the one we're going to look at. It's one of the ones that has really impacted me in my life. Um, But before we do, I think we'll just start with this kind of thought, something that I've noticed that, especially this time of the year, there are just certain things that you can look around and see that people get way more into than, I think, anyone else, right? And certain people that can get way more into certain things than other people too, right? You look around at Christmas time, and there are those Christmas people. Right? I'm clearly not one of them. I'm in all brown today. Um, but there are people that, you know, they came in today and they couldn't wait to wear their red sweaters or their festive Christmas gear. The day after Thanksgiving, their Clark Griswold light display went up. You know, they've got every inflatable in, wor- in the world in front of their house. They've got, you know, their Christmas cards require a professional photographer every year. It is just a, you know, they started shopping in June for Christmas presents. We all know those types of people, right? With the, the car they drive, it's got the reindeer ears or a Rudolph nose on it. Um, just the other day, I was driving on the freeway, and I'm, I'm driving right next to the carpool lane. And as I'm driving, I could hear coming up next to me in the carpool lane, like the loudest car in the world. It was like, it was, it was just loud, turbulent noises. And, and, and as this car pulled up next to me, it, was, it had every bit of Christmas flair you could imagine. It had tinsel, it had lights on the roof, it had the Rudolph nose. And the real kicker was, is this guy's in the carpool lane, and he's got no kids or nobody in the back seat. And in the passenger seat with him is a full life-size version of the Grinch. And I'm like looking at him and I go, God bless that guy. He's breaking the law. He's probably going to get away with it. But man, he is committed to Christmas. And <laughs> there's no better way to go out. And you, you know how that is, right? When, when people, and, and maybe even yourself, you notice things that you get into in life. It kind of changes the way you think about everything else, right? You you get into your kids at certain stages of life. You get into, you know, maybe exercising or a diet. You ever started a diet? It's like you see all things in life through your diet. It's like pizza has never smelled so good when you're on a diet. You've never looked forward to your next meal. You've never been so unsatisfied after your last meal. It's like everything, your whole thinking changes and your whole focus changes when we get into certain things in life. And I bring that up because in some sense, um, that's kind of what the Christian life was meant to do to us. It was meant to, as you get into it, change your whole thinking about everything else in life. And, you know, at the core of the promise of the Christian life was a promise that we would have everlasting life. It was Jesus made this promise regularly. He said, You're, I came to bring you life and life abundant It's like you were meant to live at the core of being a Christian. You were meant to live a life that was different than everything else and everyone else in this world lives. It was meant to be something really special. And and as great as everything in this world can be and all the things that we enjoy and get into, Jesus promised us something greater than that. 
He said over in John chapter 4, if you remember his encounter with the woman at the well, he said to her, look, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give them will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. It was his promise that you would have water, or you'd have life like water, like a fountain coming from you. But I think sometimes if you're like me, you look around at your life and you're like, man, this is more like a slow trickle. Where's the fountain? What, what's, what's going on here? And you look at a lot of Christians and sometimes they're grumpy. Sometimes they're angry, sometimes they're bitter, and there, there may be a number of reasons why we get like that, right? There's a lot of problems and stresses and worries. There's a lot of things screaming for our attention. There's a lot of ways that we can lose focus on the life that we were supposed to live in this world. We, kinda, we can get into these, these times where the Christian life, it was promised to be something great to us, but we find ourselves living this slow trickle. And, you know, this morning, as, as, as we look at the scriptures together... I want to look at a scripture that kind of points us and directs us into the right thinking that we were to have as we live out this Christian life. How we kind of think in a practical way, um, how we can think in a way that will bring us into that life that we were meant to live. The way that we were, you know, there's so many things that call out for our attention, so many different problems we're dealing with, and it's so easy to lose the focus we should have. And in some way, this morning, the scripture we're going to look at brings us back to the proper focus we should have as we're living this life, that we might live out that abundant, everlasting life that Jesus promised us. So if you have your Bibles, look with me at Colossians chapter 3. The book of Colossians is one of the greatest books in the New Testament. It is so rich. It is so deep. Paul writes this book to a church in that first century in in Colossae who were, um, they were struggling with different ideas different philosophies, different teachings that you needed to add more things to Jesus. There was legalism coming in. And and what Paul really does is he writes this book in the first two chapters and he says to him, look, it is all about centering on, circling around, and focused on Jesus. And he goes deep into kind of what that means and and, and what the gospel means in, in chapter two for their lives. And he gets to chapter 3 where he really kind of turns the corner and now says, look, in light of all that knowledge and understanding about Jesus, here's how you're supposed to live it out. Here's where the rubber meets the road. Here's your mindset as you now begin to kind of go into this this world that God has called you to live in and live it out. So he says in verses 1 through 2, which are our verses for life, he says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Such a great passage. Such a great start to the rest of the book where he's really going to get into the practical ways that we live out our Christian life. But before he really gets into the nuts and bolts of how you should live this out, he goes, look, I I want you to understand there's a certain mindset that, that, that comes as you understand what Jesus has done for you. He says, you know, um, if, you, if then or since you were raised with Christ. He says, you're to seek those things which are above. He goes, look, there's a different way that you should be thinking in this world. There's a different way that you should be viewing things going on around you. But he starts with the idea, he says, since or, or if then you've been raised with Christ. What does that mean? Well, he's talking about in some sense, resurrection, but it's not in the way that we typically think of it. Typically, when we think of resurrection, we think of these bodies. 
And the glorious day that's coming where we shed these earthly bodies and we take upon ourselves the new resurrected bodies that God has for us. He talks, Paul talks more about that if you want to learn more about that over in 1 Corinthians 15. But clearly he's not talking about our physical bodies right now at this state of time. You go look in the mirror and you look at an old photo- photograph of yourself and you're going to realize really quick, this body is not getting any better. Um, no matter how much I pinch, you know, diet and, and, and work out, it's, it's, it's on its way out. So he's not talking about the physical bodies. That's one day. But he's saying, look, you've been raised with Christ. In a real spiritual, deeper kind of sense, he goes, even though you haven't been resurrected physically, there is a part of you that is alive now towards God. He's been talking about this idea over in chapter 2. And he said over in chapter 2 in verses 12 through 15, he said, look, you were, and he gave, a, he gave like a really good visual picture, you were buried with Jesus in baptism. He's like, you have to understand this about your life. This is kind of the nuts and bolts of Christianity. Jesus came and he died for you. Right? And he, he, he hung on that cross, and, and on that day, he took upon himself all the burden of your sins and your wrongdoings and your mistakes and of your errors towards God. All of that was poured upon him on the cross. And as he, as he entered into death on your behalf, there is a very real part of you counted towards God as being dead and buried with him. He says, buried with him in baptism. The part of you that makes all those mistakes, the part of you that messes it up all the time, the part of you that naturally wants to do the things that God says, no, that's not what I want. That part, he says, is counted towards God as dead. And in verse 1, he says, now, understand this, you are raised with Christ. He goes, the story doesn't just stop at the fact that Jesus died for your sins. He resurrected and raised, and with him now, you have been given a new life. And though we still have this flesh here on the earth, because we live in these bodies, he's saying as far as God is is concerned, he looks at you and he doesn't see the mistakes you're making. He doesn't see the errors. Yes, there's going to be real repercussions in this world, but you are forgiven before God. You are, not, you are not held according to those things and having to be accountable for them anymore. And he says, look, you are buried with him in death, in baptism, and raised now to a new life. And in a very spiritual sense, you've been born again. You've been given life. You've been raised to life. And that's all right there in, in chapters, chapter 2, verse 12 through 15, where he really lays that out. The, the basic understanding of the gospel. And he says, look, you've been given grace. And you've now been called to live a new, resurrected, glorious life. I think a lot of us, we kind of get to this part and we go, amen. That sounds great. Awesome. We close the book and we're like, dust off our hands. And we go, let's go. Can't wait for heaven. God died for us on the cross. He rose from the dead. I'm counted dead in my sins and trespasses, but alive now in Christ. Amen. But Paul doesn't stop there in our verse. He goes, you've been raised with Christ. We're, we're, you know, and then he says, seek those things which are above where Christ is. He goes, look, there's a real way that, that the understanding of what the gospel means for you the fact that you've been buried with Christ in your sins and then raised to a new life, understanding what that basic element of the gospel means for you, where now it changes the way you view life. 
It changes the things that you understand and, and are into. He says, it's now time not to earn your grace, but to live your grace out. I, I think so often we kind of just sit back and we look at the Christian life as, as, amen, God died for me, he rose from the dead, now I just get to sit back here and wait for, for heaven. Kind of endure life right now, you know, vote for the right candidate, you know, put the bumper sticker on my car, see the cheesy Christian movie, and just wait it out. But Jesus goes, no, that's not what I died. That's not the everlasting life I died to bring to you. And, and Paul says, look, if you understand that you've been raised with Christ, by God's grace, you now have a new life to live. And there's something that you should now be seeking in your life. He says there in verse 1, seek those things which are above. In verse 2, he says, set your mind on things which are above. He goes, look, if you want to live this out, if you want to experience that everlasting life that wasn't just meant to be a distant promise for one day for you, if you want to experience that life that Christ now wants you to live, it starts with a new way of thinking, a new way of viewing the life that I now have to live here on earth. It's a new focus. You see, the things that we are really into that we realize we're invested into are things that demand our focus, like we talked about in the beginning, right? Whether you're on a diet or you're into Christmas or you're into you know, your dog or whatever it is, right? The things that we give our time to, we invest our money, our resources, our energy into, those are the things that, that really begin to captivate our mind, grab our attention and our focus. I realized this a few years ago. It was probably like the middle of 2021, and I had heard the stock market was doing great that year. And I thought, you know what, I've never invested in the stock market. I'm a pastor. I don't have, you know, tons of money to throw around. But I just thought, you know what, for fun, I'm going to learn how to, how to do the stock market thing. And so I bought some books. I talked to people. I, I got together a couple hundred dollars and started investing. And I took other people's advice, and I went with like a conservative, like I'll, I'll invest in Apple, and it was something that over the long time will, will give you a good return on your money. But after like three weeks and only making like 30 cents, I was pretty bored. So I was like, yeah, I, I'm not in this for the long haul. I want to, like any immature new stock market investor, I'm like, I'm here for the short, you know, the day trading. And so I started waking up every morning and following all these different investors and looking up their advice. And it was like, I was up at five in the morning studying things. And when the market opened, I was like, boom, 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 buying, selling, trading. And yeah, at first I lost a lot of money, but then I started figuring things out. And over six months, it was like doing this straight every day, reading books, following podcasts, doing all this. I was making thousands of dollars. I was actually doing pretty well. I was like, wow, this is, I could see where the enticing, you know, as a pastor, I don't do this. You know, I don't teach a good message and get thousands of dollars for it. You know, it's just not the way it works in life. But I was like, here, I can make tons of money. And I was like, wow. And at the end of 2021, I, I kind of took a little perspective of my life. And I realized, man, I have not been reading the Bible as much as I used to because I'm up extra early every morning looking at the stock market doing that. I have gained 20 pounds because I'm no longer working out in the morning. I'm like not eating well. I'm just sitting there with a monster energy drink, you know, following trades. And I'm like, I have made a couple thousand dollars here, but it's not really worth it. I realized all of my attention and energy and focus went into this. And so I cashed out. It was right as the, the 2022 was dawning, which, is, as you guys know, is actually a pretty lucky thing to cash out at that time because the stock market immediately dropped. But as soon as I took my money out, I could care less. Stock market tanked. and It's been doing pretty bad ever since, and it's like it hasn't done that great ever since. And I don't care. I don't follow it. I don't read any more books. I don't do anything because I don't have anything invested there. 
I don't, that's not where my money is. Now I have a retirement plan, so I do follow it a little, but like it's, it's, it's that type of thinking that Paul's kind of drawing our attention to where he says, look, look, you have to understand that where your focus goes, that's where you're truly invested. And when you realize that you are now invested in the kingdom of God, your focus should change. He goes, you, I, we, we have been raised to life. He goes, you're no longer part of this system, this world, this, uh, the problems here. You have something new that you've been born into. And the moment you start understanding that, the moment you really start realizing, hey, this place is not my home. This is temporary. I'm passing through and I'm called to live here and make a difference. But there is something new that I'm a part of. He goes, the moment you realize that, the moment your thinking begins to change. The moment your focus begins to change in life. And that, he says, is where you're going to find the things that truly matter. He says, we kind of went over it, seek those things which are above. And then again, set your mind on those things which are above. See, his idea is that you have a new focus on things that aren't down here. Now, does it mean when he says those things that are above, does it mean just like, look, all I focus on is spiritual things. All I focus on is, is angels and, and heaven and mystical things like that. Well, not particularly. It's not actually his focus in this passage because if you'll see in verse 1, he says, seek those things which are above, and then he kind of clarifies that, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I love that. He goes, you want, a, you want a picture? You want an image that you should have in your mind? He goes, understand this. When you're seeking things are above, what's the main focus of it all? It's Christ. Seated at the right hand of God. You see, the right hand of God was a, a picturesque way in their culture and their society where they would say, this is the highest seat of authority, of power, of all creation, of everything that, that, that could be given to man or, or, or ruled in the universe. It's like, this is it. And he goes, I want you to understand what your focus should be on. The things that matter in light of eternity and who Christ really is. He goes, look, you're, you're focusing on so many things, and we get into so many things in this world that in the end won't matter he goes, but I want you to begin to, to kind of change your focus into the kingdom, into the mindset of things that do matter eternally for Christ. Because really, in the end, that's all that's going to last. The things that in the end that are going to go on with us are not things that so often we get so worried about, so upset about, so frustrated about on this earth. The parking spot, the perfect gift, the perfect outfit, the this, that, or the other. It's like those things don't matter and he's saying, look, there is a, a greater eternal perspective that you can have if you understand that you are part of because of the gospel, because of the fact that Jesus died for you, for you and you are counted as buried with him in baptism and now raised to a new life. You are now invested in something far greater than anything in this world. And now your focus, now your mindset needs to be on things that matter in light of that for all eternity not on things that are going to die off here on the earth. You can enjoy them. You can put them in their proper perspective. But in the end, what truly matters is what's going to last forever under Christ.
the ruler and king of the universe. And so he, he says, set your mind on things above. I think for us, I think the first place that, that I start with this is, is the fact that the life that Jesus wants me to, to really live starts with me personally, in a real sense, taking this to, to heart. In my own personal life, the way I view myself, right? So often I kind of start the day or start trying to live this Christian life with a view of myself that doesn't recognize or fully comprehend what being raised with Christ truly means for me, right? I can, I can so often sit here and feel like a Christian who never lives up to what I should be. And I know we all have those thoughts from time to time where we're like, man, I mess it up. I'm not as good as I should be. I'm not as spiritual as I should be. I don't pray like that guy. I don't, I'm not as encouraging as that person. And we can go on down the list and go, man, if I'm ever going to live the Christian good life that God wants me to live, well then, man, I need to be a whole lot better myself. You see, the moment we begin to realize what a wreck we are, we're in a pretty good place. And the fact of the matter is, when you look at yourself like that and you go, man, I'm a wreck, it's a good thing. You are a wreck. Because I'm a wreck, you're a wreck, we're all wrecks. It's the very basic understanding of why the gospel was so necessary, why we celebrate Christmas, that God would step into our midst and give his life for ours, and, and ultimately we would be counted as dead in our trespasses and sin with him. The very nature of the gospel necessitates that we recognize that we are wrecks. But we can't stop there. Because the, the continuing thought is, in verse 1 of our passage, we have been raised with Christ. Yes, you're a wreck, I'm a wreck, we're all wrecks. Yes, I'm not what I should be, you're not what you should be. And we're never going to be what we should be this side of heaven in these fleshly bodies. But the amazing thing about grace and about God's forgiveness is that even though that is completely true, he still looks at you and me and he says, here's a new life. Here's a fresh start. Here's something that you don't deserve because of grace, because of my goodness, because of my love, great love towards you. And when we start there and we don't finish the thought that says, oh, I'm raised with Christ, we miss out on the fact that, look, even though I mess up, even though I make mistakes, even though I sin every day, I've got a fresh start. God doesn't count that against me. God doesn't look at me and say, oh man, you're not going to be happy with me. I'm not going to bless you in your life because you're so messed up. No, we keep moving forward. We keep shuffling our feet. You see, the Christian life is not lived when our focus and intention is on all the things that we make mistakes over and mess up in our lives. Our focus is not to be on that. Our focus is to be on things above, on Jesus, who sits at the right hand of God and, and forever makes intercession for you. And every time Satan's up there casting accusations against you, you've got Jesus right there saying, hey, I died for that. We're cool. You're good. And the point and perspective of Paul is, now as I begin to live my Christian life, I have to look at my mistakes. I have to look at my errors. I have to look at the, 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 the things I do that are contrary to God. And I have to learn to say, you know what, God? I ask and I repent over that. I acknowledge that it's not good. But now my eyes are on you, not my sin. Now my eyes are on the king on the throne, not me and my mistakes. 
You see, it's a basic necessity to move forward in our own personal lives with God and the sins and problems and errors that we're dealing with, that we focus more on his grace and goodness and who he is than on how, fall, or how far we fall short of the standard. It's kind of like, and if you ever had a coach, or it's kind of, they've understood this now in modern day sports psychology, where if you're, an, if you're an athlete in a sport and you're wanting to fix something, maybe you're in tennis and you have a bad swing, they found that focusing on your bad swing will never help you get better. It actually just, it's like thinking of a pink elephant. You just can't get it out of your head. And you just can't stop thinking of a pink elephant. You're all probably thinking of a pink elephant right now. And it's like, it, there are certain things that once you get in your head, it's just, you can't tell yourself to not, to not think about it, to not focus on it, to not, you know, and it's like sports psychologists have, have actually found that, look, the better way forward in sports is actually not to focus on your error in your swing. It's actually to focus on the right way that your swing should go. The right feeling of when you do your swing or you kick a ball or, or you, you, you're swinging baseball or whatever it is. And they said that not focusing on your error, but focusing on the right way, the better thing, is a better way for your brain to release that and to move forward into the way it should be. Well, in some sense, that's kind of how it works in the Christian life. You're not to focus on your shortcomings, on your sin, on your problems. Yes, you acknowledge them. You repent of them. You, you, you acknowledge your need for the gospel and what God has done for you, but then you move forward in a way that says, my eyes, my eyes are on things above. I've got a, my Lord on the throne. and He's been raised and I am with him and I, that old me is counted as dead and so as often as Satan is there to accuse me and make me feel bad, well, I'm looking up. My attention and focus is on Jesus. And what you see is you begin to live with that as you begin to walk that way, as you take this seriously in your walk with the Lord and, and really understand that you've been raised with him and that's where your focus is now is those sins, they, they tend to, to take a back seat. They tend to fall away. They tend to lose control because our mind are on, not on those things. And, and so for me, one of the first ways I look at this passage as a real practical way forward in my Christian life is, hey, where is my focus personally? When it comes to how I'm growing with God, and now how I live this out, it's like, how can I focus on those things as I live my life that truly do matter, right? It's why you're here at church today, I hope, you know, to, to seek God, to hear and, and worship him together, to cry out to him and, and recognize all that he's done, to focus on what he said in his word and to be built up in that. And God goes, look, that's what I'm into. It's a little glimpse of those eternal things that are going to matter. That's where I am. Those are the things I'm into. Those are the things that are going to last. But the moment you walk into church, and we've kind of mentioned this before, and your, your eyes are on all the things that don't matter, you know, oh, no, Justin's up there today. And look, at he's got his, I got my Amazon shirt right out of the package with all the wrinkles on it. And, you know, it's like he's not dressed nice enough or the... the the piano player had a Rocky shirt on today. I don't know about that at church. And what happened to the donuts? We used to have donuts here. And where's the boat? I remember when we had that. You know, in the moment you start reminiscing about things that don't matter in the eternal perspective, he goes, this has now become a thing of the earth. And like every other thing of the earth, it's going to go dry. That well is going to, you're going to thirst again. And he goes, what truly matters when you come into this room, when whatever you're seeking and looking for in life is, is what is going to go on after this? Well, God's word. Well, worshiping him. 
focusing on things above. You know, it's, it's so much of our lives are spent focusing on things that they're good things. They're things that God has blessed us with here on the earth, but our stress, our worry, our anger, our bitterness, our, our whole focus in life gets put on these things, and it's like they, they're not going to matter in the end. That, that perfect present that you're seeking to give your kids, really, honestly, it's going to end up in the dump next year. I hate to tell you that. It's like, you know, the, the, think about it. Think about the, the, the way that life goes so often, that car that you're so into that thought was, you thought was going to be so amazing, it's going to be rusted out and old in a few years. And it's like, we get so into these things, our houses, our cars, our retirement plan, our futures. And God goes, look, you understand at your core that you're part of my kingdom. You are my kids. It's what makes the, the nature of, of Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, so, so life-changing when you understand that it's spoken from the perspective of Jesus talking to people that are part of his kingdom. Where he says, don't worry about tomorrow. And it's like, how do, how do I not worry about tomorrow? I mean, I turn on the news and it's like there's another disaster and there's bombings and there's shootings and there's this, that, and Jesus looks at us, he goes, don't worry. Because Jesus always had this perspective, look, there's something more. And if you've got that understanding of the gospel in your life, then you've also got the essential understanding that you have been raised with Christ. You're part of a new kingdom. You're part of an everlasting kingdom, something that matters far more than anything else in this world matters. And it makes us, in some sense, as we focus on the things that truly do matter in the end, it makes us more earthly good than I think we ever could be than if we were focusing on everything on earth, earth for ourselves. If we took all of our resources and energy and finances and we just spent them on ourselves, on the here and now, You'll have a little bit of joy, but honestly, you'll never find that everlasting life that Jesus was talking about. The real question is, is in light of eternity, how do I spend what God has given me here and now on what's going to truly matter? My time, my energy, my resources, the things that God has given me. I mean, our church is so good at this. I love it. As, as a youth pastor for, for many years, I've had the opportunity from behind the scenes to see you guys be so generous in your giving to these teens who don't really know much about life, don't really know much about the Lord, but they're just getting into it. And it's like, you guys, when we have those dumb bake sales outside and we're selling donuts that you guys, half of you don't even eat, you know, because you're being healthy, you still donate and you still give money for these kids. And it changes their life. That $5, that $10, whatever, that sponsorship of a kid. I remember one year, there was a, there was a girl, this was probably 10 years ago, we were heading, getting ready to go to winter camp. And it was the Sunday before we were going to leave for winter camp. And there was a young you know, high school girl in our, in our church who had been bringing one of her friends to church. And she wasn't a Christian, her friend, but she was just kind of searching and looking for it. And she brought her on a Sunday to church. And after church, I pulled her over and I said, hey, Carly, have you ever thought about going to camp? You know, and I kind of told her what camp was. And she goes, that sounds so cool. But honestly, my parents would never pay for that. She's like, we're poor, and on top of that, they're not Christians, and it would be really cool. And right at that moment, I got a tap on my shoulder, where I was out on the patio talking with her. And, and a lady from our church tapped me on our sh my shoulder, and I turned around. She goes, can I borrow you for a minute, Justin? I go, sure, hold on, Carly. And so I turn around, and I talk to this lady, and she goes, hey, I just want to let you know. I know a few weeks ago you had one of those bake sales, but like, 
I couldn't give because I didn't have my paycheck at the time, but my paycheck finally came in, and I've, I've pinched and saved, and I want to pay for a kid to go to camp. And I've set it aside. I've got my tithing money, and I just, this is extra. And I, I don't have much money, but I really, God put it on my heart to pay for a kid to go to camp. I was like, oh, awesome. Hold on. I turn back around. I go, Carly, you want to go to camp? She goes, I can't afford it. I go, I got someone that will pay for you to go to camp. Call your parents and ask if you can go to camp. And I turn around. I go, do you want to pay for Carly to go, ca- go to camp? She goes, sure. And so right here we make this deal, you know, and I'm like, I'm like making a deal here. And, and this girl, Carly, she ends up going to camp. And she ends up on the Sunday session at camp giving her life to Jesus. And she comes out of the message, and we were outside. It was a really cool moment. It was like snow was coming down. It was up at Forest Home. And, and I go, Carly, congratulations. And I gave her a hug, and she's just crying. And, she, and I said, Carly, what, what, like, what did you learn? What, what, did you mean? what meant something to you in there? And she goes, you know, honestly, I thought about the fact that there was someone that paid for me to go here when I couldn't afford it. And I thought, like, that's crazy that someone would pay $200 for me to go get away for a weekend and they don't know me, they don't understand me, they don't get me, they, like, they don't even know that I'm, a, I'm not even a Christian. And they paid for me to go to this. She goes, that like, made me so crazy when I went into these messages that when I heard what Jesus had done for me, it all made sense. And I thought, that's so cool. Because there was someone whose mind was on things above, who, who got their paycheck and didn't just say, oh, it's all about me. What can I buy for me? What can I do for me? But she got her paycheck and she was like, you know what? What can I do with it that's going to bless someone else? And I know it doesn't work out like that all the time. Every bit of money you give to the homeless person on the corner, sometimes it's a big scam, but God looks at it and goes, look, it might not all work out perfectly all the time, but what truly matters if you're going to live the life that I have for you is that you've got to focus on something that's not temporary and passing you realize and you go into life every day with a perspective that says, you know what, this isn't my home. I'm not going to freak out on things that don't matter. I'm not going to freak out at Christmas time when, I mean, look at what we've done to Christmas, a holiday that should be so special <laughs> and in a sense is dedicated to, say, to, to celebrating our Savior coming to earth and dwelling among us. We turn it into Amazon wish lists, you know, cheesy, bearded, creepy pedophiles at the mall taking photos with your kids. Like, you know, it's like uh, horrible Christmas movies on, on Amazon and Netflix. It's like, what have we done to Christmas, you know, in some sense? But what if we went into Christmas this year and said, yeah, I understand. The family's coming over. I got a lot of things going on. But, but how can I have a mindset that says I'm going to focus on things that truly matter for all eternity? How can I give gifts to others with that mindset? How could I invite over people to my house or whatever I'm doing with that mindset that says, look, I'm more focused on what matters for eternity than having the perfect decorations out. I'm more focused on what matters for eternity than just buying someone another gift card. I'm focused on things that truly matter. I want to build people up. I want to share God's love with them. I want to bless and love others in a way that's going to reflect what truly matters for all eternity. I think if we go into Christmas with that mindset, it's so much more enjoyable. There's so much, more, so much less stress, so much more to celebrate and look at and go, this is beautiful. But when we make it something of the earth, when we're all focused on what gifts we get the kids and this, that, and the stresses that, that ultimately in the, matter, in, in the end aren't going to matter, then it becomes something that, you know, honestly just leaves us wanting more. 
And that's the life that Jesus came to, to give to us. A life that says, now I have a greater hope. I have something tomorrow that when I wake up, even though I've messed up today and dropped the ball and, and, and I haven't been as great as I should be, I can look at tomorrow and say, you know what? I've got life. I've got God's forgiveness. And I've got a future ahead of me that's greater than anything else in this world is ever going to give me. So as Paul kind of walks us through this beginning start here in his, in his application of what the gospel means for our lives, he says, look, if you've re- realized that you are resurrected people, There's a new resurrective perspective that you should have as you look at your life. What truly matters in the end, that's where we should be investing ourselves, and that's where we're going to find that everlasting life that Jesus promised us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so very much that the whole conversation of how we should live our lives starts and ends with the understanding that you died for us and loved us so so very much that you would not just raise from the dead and tell us to figure it all out, but you would raise from the dead and raise us with you to give us life that we could never earn or deserve or work for on our own. That your grace calls us to now live a life that is so filled with abundance and and everlasting life that, that there's nothing in this world that even compares to it. Help us to focus on the things that truly matter. Help us to walk around with that perspective of the fact that our eyes are on a risen Savior and our lives are counted as as with Him. Lord, this holiday season, this Christmas, this time of the year, may we be people that focus on what truly matters. May we be people that lift up others and point them towards that as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.